Magazines and Monsters bonus episode, Jack Kirby Month, Satan 6, number one, with Charlton Hero. D, a.k.a. Doc Strange here, back with another recording for the show. And since it's August, we are still uh, firmly planted in hashtag Jack Kirby Month. So I brought along my uh, compadre from Superblog team up, the Charlton Hero himself, Chris Bailey. How are you, brother? Oh, Billy. Well, let me tell you something about what we are about to divulge to our to our listening audience here. I almost feel sorry that that our listening audience has to go through and experience this, which I think uh, commenced straight from hell itself. So Satan mm. six is on the agenda. And boy, I, I, I hope Jack Kirby is 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 not watching from above because this one was uh, this one was was brutal. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll put that as a precursor to uh, events that are about to happen here. Yes, yes. So just to, you know, give everybody a heads up, uh, I usually almost always try to pick something to discuss that is mostly, if not all, positive. Yes. Uh, from from my and my guest's point of view, we kind of did a, a bit of a blind pick here on something for Jack Kirby <laughs> month that was, you know, very late in his life. And um, it, it's not great, you know, <laughs> well... well We'll we'll try our best to find a positive note here and there, but yeah, this was this was not great. Uh, like you said, secrets or Satan six. I'm sorry, uh, number one here, part of the uh, Secret City saga. And you and I, you know, talked for a minute beforehand about uh, what was a, uh, you know, what they were trying to do here, what they were trying to accomplish. You know, it didn't quite work out, but there there was a grand design here, was there not? Oh yeah, so I mean, you had you had Tops Comics, and and this this particular issue was created by Tops. Now, if you're not familiar, you know Tops was basically known as a trading card company, you know, uh, and but they jumped into the fray. I mean, everybody was dogpiling trying to get comic books out. Everybody wanted to create their own universe. You had Image, you had the Ultraverse. Tops jumps into the fray all of a sudden, and uh, you know they're, they're diving in hard. I mean, they've got the Kirbyverse comics. They did uh, like movie. Um, adaptations i mean they were going in hard tv you name it they had the x files they had all kinds of licenses jurassic park jason versus freddy i mean these guys were were coming in hard and they thought how do we jump aboard and you know capture the mainstream audience's attention and they're like i know jack kirby now to us as comic book fans we'd be like yeah hell yeah jack kirby the king let's go but they, they they didn't give us the classic Kirby characters because, of course, they were tops. So we weren't getting his, you know, his DC stuff. We didn't get his new gods. We didn't get his, you know, his Thor and his Captain America from Marvel. No. Instead, we had such such antics as Bombast, Captain Glory, Night Glider, and <laughs> this one, this abomination mm-hmm. for known as Satan Six. And boy, mm. do we got lots to say. Now, here's what I'll say, and I would like to keep it positive as well. Kirby's contribution to this is actually good. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. everything else is not. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we'll go. But anyway, Tops, you know, trying to get their name into the mix. And I mean, they were, you know, they were in comics a short period of time. They only lasted from 1993 to 1998 so i mean you're talking about a very small window and this is like a new york city based thing so you know they they're feeling like they they have the pulse of the comic book buying audience with all their franchises and all this stuff and they took their hand and they placed out the secret city saga which was a number of titles it was pretty interesting because 
they had a plan. They had a big agenda. They had something called Jack Kirby's Secret City Saga, and it was a combination of individual comics. So you had number ones from Bombast, which was an individual character, Night Glider, Captain Glory, and Satan Six. And then the idea was to blend it into a four-issue Secret City Saga where you'd see all these heroes come together as a team. And also, you would get a continuation of the secondary team known as Satan Six. So, you know, the idea and concept and the model, I think, was was definitely solid. On paper, this sounds like it can't miss. Mm-hmm. What, did, yeah. what, what did you think? What, what do you are you familiar with many tops related products, sir? You know, the only tops comics I believe I own, if I'm not mistaken, they did a horror book, like a Dracula, some kind of horror book or something like that, I think. Yeah, I almost they did feel the, like uh, Mignola, the Dracula. Was they did a ton of stuff. So they did like, um, I want to say the Dracula Chronicles. They did, um, they did Vlad the Impaler. They did. They even did, and I, and I recommend trying to hunt this one down because it's so epically bad. It's Dracula versus Zorro. Wow. <laughs> yes, sir. Mm, boy, swing yeah. and a miss. Swing and a miss. Yeah, I but. think if I'm not mistaken, I think I have the. Uh, Vlad, uh, in the Impaler ones, yeah. and I think I might have a couple of the just Dracula ones because I think did Mignola do some of the covers or artwork with those? Mike I think he, I think he did the Bram Stoker's. I think it was the movie tie-in. Did it not? I oh think was, yeah, maybe uh, that. Yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I think it was like four issues. I think it was all the way back in '92. I think this may, it might even have. Uh, you know, this was some original, original top stuff here. Mm, yeah, so maybe that's it. But yeah, not not real huge on their stuff. And just, you know, hey, if I found it on the cheap somewhere, I, I'd give something a try. But yeah, yeah this absolutely. Was, I, like you said, I think this is one of those ideas where <clears throat> it sounds good on paper. But when you actually, you know, put it to uh, put it to the test and put it on paper, like on in a comic book with the idea and the artwork and it being so many hands in the pot here, I think it, it's it, it, it doesn't hold up great. And I don't even know if it was great for the time. And it kind of sucks because, like, again, I think Kirby had a really good idea here, but maybe it just didn't come out that way because this was very late in life for him. He passed oh, yeah. away. I just looked it up less than a year after these uh, came out. So, you know, it, it's not like this had the full vigor of, you know, a, a, a younger or even middle aged Kirby here. So that's that's uh, that's something I'll definitely give it a break for. Oh, oh, no question. No question. And you know what? To be honest with you, the pages. So just for context. So this this comic came about when the folks from Tops who were producing this uh, this particular issue had a series of unrelated Jack Kirby drawings. And they were of individual characters. You know, these were things that he was developing. None of this stuff was fully fleshed out. This was not a full a full on developed Kirby comic. So basically they had eight to 10 pages of Kirby work and they built a story around it, which is fascinating. And you get to see, I think image did this a while ago as well, uh, a while back with phantom force, you know, to a little bit much more fanfare, but uh, you know, we got the secret city saga out of this. So, I mean, it, and it's funny when, when you see the, um, I guess when you open up the first page, they try to do a little preface for us. So they try to set us up for what's to come and they get into it and they say like, once upon a time when a new comic book debuted, you simply had to buy the first issue and then the second and then the third. Nowadays, it ain't that easy. Boy, they're not joking. With <laughs> issue zeros and multiple first issues, and oh, don't even get me started on that. Uh, it's mm. easy to get lost. But we at Tops Comics have put together this chart. 
below to make your journey through <laughs> the latest Kirby comics a little easier. If you're still confused, remember what Jack himself once said, don't ask, just buy. And let me tell you, let me tell you something, Top. If your first initiative is to make a chart to tell people how to read your comics, maybe you're failing out of the gate. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you're 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 further confusing the mess that was uh, that was the '90s comics that was boom that was happening here. Yeah, you, comics shouldn't be complicated. Let's let's be honest here. They should be fun. They should be entertaining. They shouldn't be complicated. If you need a roadmap to figure out what comic to read next or what ties into this or that, you're you're gonna lose some people right out of the gate for sure. Yeah, just <laughs> think about it. So, say for example, you know, out of the gate, you bought Bombast number one. Okay, now what would the next logical step for you as a as a comic book fan for you to buy? What would be your next issue you would purpose you you would purchase? To me, it would be Bombast number two, would it not? <laughs> you would think, yeah. Oh, hey, Just there's Nightglider Night one. Where's Nightglider two? Well, there was none. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. everybody. Yeah. But, but the secret sauce was we, we got to really talk about the context of the 90s. So the 90s was a boom of gimmicks, OK? And mm -hmm. Tops was head of that gimmick because they are a trading card company. And one of the big tricks for uh, comic book companies at the time were, were actual trading cards inserted. So, of course – they had this and they had their their you know their comics were polybagged which was another gimmick and on mm. top of that they debuted kirby chrome mm. <laughs> mm, boy yeah here we are it's 1993 so anybody that was buying comics in the early 90s 1993 you know there was a crap load of gimmicks this is pretty much 92 93 when they really started and got crazy they were absolutely berserk and this was april 1993 cover date but what do you mean what do you think of this cover here this is a jack kirby and todd love mcfarlane what do you think of this i really love it it captures the uh and you can really see both artists which is which is what i really like about it mm -hmm. uh this makes me want to read the comic I got to be honest with you. Like I see this cover, it reeks of Kirby and I want it right away. Like the characters, they're, they're not recognizable to me, but they're, they're Kirby characters. You know, the damn well that, you know, what you're, what you're about to get into or hope that you're going to get into. It's mm -hmm. done in an old fashioned way. So you've got like the, the little scrolls there with like, um, you know, all the words on it today, you almost get no verbiage. You know what I mean? Instead, no. they got all these, you know, carefully written out like, um, like boxes here telling you who the creative team is, uh, you know, down where the UPC uh, symbol used to go. You've got more verbiage telling you all about what's inside it. And you can see uh, McFarland's inks right over the top of this. And it, it's actually a fascinating cover. I like the colors. The color is like a deep purple background with the, you know, the bright colors in the front. The logo was really cool. I'd love to have that on a T-shirt. It says Satan six and it's all in yellow with like a splash, just a hint of uh, like red taken over on the bottom. I, I love it. And the Topps logo. Let's talk about logos. Topps logo looks great on a comic. I got to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, I'm right on there with you. This cover is really good. You know, it says Super Deluxe Kirby Chrome trading card inside, which is hilarious. But yeah, it's great cover. It's got good colors. They really pop. You know, and they even tried to, you know, uh, I mean, like you said, the logo, Satan 6 is pretty cool too. It's like fire and it's got like this yeah. like demonic head in it. But they really tried to sell it with, you know, longtime comic fans as well, because, you know, you have Tony the Tiger Isabella on there, and it says, you know, Jack King Kirby, and then 
Ditko's name is on there, Frank Miller, Mike Royer, Joe Sinnott. So, you know, you got McFarland, who was sort of still a newer guy to the business, and then all these classic, you know, comic book artist names on there, too. So they were really trying to tap into something here. Yeah, this was this was something special. And like I said, this is the dawn of a brand new company to the comic scene. You know what I mean? So this mm-hmm. is this is ground level stuff. And everybody loves a number one, Billy. Everybody wants a number one. And by God, Satan Six with Jack Kirby, Todd McFarlane on the cover. I mean, you had to buy this. I, I would say there were like a billion people inside those comic book stores telling people, my God, this has it all. The polybag. This has the trading card. This has McFarlane. This has Jack Kirby. I mean, boom. You talk about a nuclear explosion. My kids were going to school, university on the back of this one. I'm telling you. <laughs> For sure. This is the and uh, the death of Superman. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'll, I will give the credit uh, on this uh, index page here where, you know, you said about the diagram about what you need to buy and what leads into what they do let you know uh creative team wise who does what and and this to me is the is the downfall of the book simply because (laughs) there was such little of kirby actually in the book you know it it tells you right out of the gate pages five six eight thirteen fourteen eighteen and twenty written and penciled by jack kirby so that means every other page is not written or penciled by Jack Kirby. So, okay, <laughs> the inkers on those Kirby pages, it's like a murderer's row. Terry Austin, Steve Ditko, Frank Miller, Mike Royer, and Joe Sinnott. And by the way, Mike Royer and Joe Sinnott are my top two favorite Kirby inkers of all time. But, Mike okay. Royer is legendary. He's like oh, the... Yeah. Uh... He's yeah. he's like the deep blacks to Jack Kirby's soul. You know what I mean? I really, really mm. like them. Like they really offset each other super well. And with yeah. every great artist, man, they need a great anchor or some of that stuff is not going to translate. And Royer mm-hmm. was exceptional with Kirby. Yeah, I loved his DC work. And then when Kirby went back to Marvel, he did some of his Marvel stuff, too. Yeah, great, great stuff. Love it. He's he's probably my favorite Kirby anchor with, you know, Joe Sinnott, like right behind there. But and then. On the other side of the page, after you get that, you know, list of uh, credits, it says rest of the book by, <laughs> which to me is hilarious. So it's Tony Isabella writer, who is not one of my favorite writers of all time, but he's a competent writer. He's written some decent stuff, but, you yep. know, I don't think he's, you know, in the pantheon of greatest writers ever, but he's, he's all right. And then a name I do not know, John Cleary, penciler, never heard of him. Poor, poor, poor John Cleary. So John Cleary, I think, um, I mean, he doesn't last long on many books, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's on stuff like uh, his work is in like Cyber Force, Gen 13. You might have seen in that Robin series in the 90s, Rune. He he even did a little bit of work with with Larzen over on Savage Dragon. But Mm, sadly, sadly, he's most known for uh, the Secret City Saga. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of uh, image work there. But And yep. uh, Inker Armando Gill. I have heard of him. I'm not sure where I've heard of him from. It's It certainly wasn't this, but I have heard that name before. And then Lois Buhalis is the letterer. I know that name as well. I'm not sure where. And then Tom Smith, colorist. That sounds like a pseudonym. Probably isn't, but it <laughs> sounds like somebody on like the FBI, you know, like they're trying to, they're hiding him somewhere. And that's it. Oh, you're, you're Tom Smith. And then, of course, editor Jim Salakrup, who is a really super nice, awesome guy. Love him. Um, 
So he was he was with Marvel. I remember. What was it late Bronze Age? I think he came. Yeah, around? yeah absolutely, absolutely. Salakrup was with uh, yeah with Marvel for a long time. So he's no stranger to the editor's desk. I'll tell you that. And uh, mm-hmm. Jim, my friend. Yeah, and I think it, you, it shows you may him. You have wanted to edit about twenty pages out of this book. <laughs> I think, Just and saying. then we yeah, when you look down at the Tops Comics, uh, you know, hierarchy. He's the yep. editor in chief as well, which is, you know, OK, that, that's that's actually pretty cool. But again, I look at that list of names for, uh, well, the the publisher sounds familiar too, Ira Friedman. But I don't know that yeah, I've heard of that before. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that name. But then everybody else on that list, you know, creative director, assistant publisher, West Coast editor, associate editor, design director. I've never heard of any of these other people. And it's just I think there was just such a uh, an influx of people in the comic book industry in the early 90s because the productions were so high they were spitting out books in the 90s left and right well of course you need how many more people to you know keep up with that output and that's where there's a lot of the people that you know you heard from them in the 90s and that's about it yeah it's and it's kind of strange because you get um you got guys like i mean if you're debuting a brand new comic company like Tops, you're going to want people who know what they're doing. So, of course, you know, Salakrup had, you know, a number of years with Marvel. So, of course, you know, you bring him on board and you think that, you know, you got a guy like Tony Isabella. I mean, you got Mike Roy or Frank Miller, Steve Ditko. You got all these people willing to contribute, but they're only contributing in small parts. So I'm thinking that, you know, you, you've only got just just a name. It's almost like a. The, uh, you know, the the figurehead on the coin. You know what I mean? There's there's no mm-hmm. depth to a lot of these names in regards to the actual production of the books. They have, you know, a, a little a little splash here or there. They might have provided inks on one page or something. But that's the extent of like the big names on some of these books. And that's a real shame. Yeah. And like we talked for a minute beforehand, too, it's, it's a shame because the, with the art being so uneven and up and down with all these other creators here. It, you you can't even at least I can't I can't even uh, find a decipherable story, uh, you know, from beginning to end with this story. This this there's actually two in here. There's this first story here that we'll talk yes. about, and I just what? it just the, the art is so all over the place. I can't even like my brain can't focus on the story because it, the art is so crazy and all over the place. Yeah, well, think about this. This this is how this actually came about. So imagine if I came to your house and I had a big manila envelope and it was full of six or seven pictures that I drew that were completely unrelated, and I said, Billy, write me a story. Make sense of this. I need it by Monday. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, the, this is what happened here. <laughs> you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. sounds good. My God, it's a Chris Bailey-drawn comic book. Holy cow. They got my name on the book. There's no sense, rhyme, nor reason for, uh, you know, how these pages are going to fit together, what these characters are about. And you're tasked with the with the unenviable task, I should say, of trying to make sense out of something that there is no sense. There was no original direction to. So, I mean, you know, out of the gate, you were facing an uphill battle here. And uh, I don't think they made sense of this. I, I think they really lost their way. The story is, uh, well, I'll tell you what, let, why don't we just get into it and, uh, you know, get into the meat and potatoes and, and tell people how, uh, <laughs> what we're dealing with here. Yeah. So this comic opens with this character named, Christine, and uh, uh-huh. she's she's breaking the fourth wall right away here, which I hate. Uh, <laughs> just not no, a real big, she, big fan of that. I I think she's breaking like more than breaking the wall because I think one of the one of the problems with this book and why it doesn't work 
is because you got to have a character named Pristine. Now, why is it cleverly named Pristine? Because right now, we're in the middle of the collector's market. In, in reality, 1993 is the start of the speculator's market. Uh, pristine is a condition of a comic book. And if you have a comic book in pristine condition, it's ranked, you know, it's highly valuable. Then listen, it's no more, no more an important of a term in 2022 when, you know, the collector's market and, you know, the, the slabbing business pristine means that you have a <laughs> precisely perfect comic book. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's funny that they use this name as a fourth wall character because, you know, it, it's just a commentary on not only the character's name, but it's also talking about what's going on in the industry at the time and this character breaks the fourth wall but she's not only breaking the fourth wall and being the narrator so you know saying hey you know our characters are going to get up to this no she's physically talking about collecting she's talking about this being a comic book and it's really strange and the artwork is really strange so it's done in almost like an ethereal ghost-like look so done in like stark whites and blues and that's the only thing and the only other color in the background is a like a, a purple for contrast. So pristine is this beautiful, almost lady death looking white girl. And she's all white. Like her hair is white. It's flowing white. Her skin is like completely white. And she's just got purples that like outline her eyes and her lips. And that's literally everything about this girl that you need to know. So picture lady death with none of her accessories on the page. And she's your narrator for better or for worse. Yeah. And she's also buck tooth and looks like a beaver. Well, that's you know what <laughs> this this to me this to me almost looked McFarlane esque. Mm, it looked yeah, like, it looked like John Cleary took some you know old school McFarlane. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, it was like McFarlane drew this on the toilet. That's that's mm. that's uh, that's how I that's how I envisioned this because it's it's almost like almost McFarlane sketch like you know what I mean, almost like his yeah. original. Mm, yeah, and when you were saying about pristine comics and you know CGC, I was like, "Yep, you need everybody that has a Satan Six number one needs to put it in a plastic tomb immediately because at some Three, point one of those need to be entombed in plastic yeah. if, for, for, for the sake of mankind." Yeah, there'll be a Netflix series anytime soon, and they're gonna blow up. <laughs> Just be ready. I felt like I was chan channeling Christian there, buddy. <laughs> so, okay, moving on. So, yes, this lovely lady, Christine, uh, she, you know, like I said, breaks the fourth wall, talks about comic books, and then uh, this uh, creepy-looking guy uh, with this insane <laughs> jaw and face and gritting his teeth uh, comes in, and uh, she says his name is Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so she's pristine, and he's joe okay all uh, right uh, who, who, who are they who are they making fun of here you, well, you know i like here. i like yeah i like how she says uh oh i'm sorry joe says hey pristine isn't this just the most super morning and she says that's joe he's relatively new up here we anticipate great things from him <laughs> and he's just flying around kind of what do you think he's like a code of a superman looking guy superman now who who are superman's creators siegel and schuster yeah yeah joe Mm -hmm. see so right away you're playing games right away with the you know comic book background because we have superman here and it's one of the worst anatomical drawings you'll ever see it's it's all over the place they're stretching boundaries with perspective like like way 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 out of whack with this superman and and i guess i guess pristine is in heaven would it would i be okay to say that well yeah she oh yeah she she's comes an right out, yeah she comes right out and says <clears throat> Hi, I'm Pristine, and I knew you were going to buy this issue. That's because I'm an angel, 
Guardian first class comic book division. Uh, <laughs> so, oh boy, but, yeah. But, but, the, the, but she's the angel of comics books because she's saying that's Joe. He's relatively new up here. So when did when did when did Joe Siegel die? Joe Schuster? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Here, uh, let me let me check this here's out here. Joe Schuster, and let's see when he passed away. Yeah, because if he was anywhere near, uh, he died in 1992. Yeah, so just so a he, year previous. So he is brand new there, and they expect great things from him. So again, another commentary. So you get literally, you see Superman. She's the the guardian angel of comic books, pristine. That's why she's that's why she's up there. I I, I bet you didn't put two and two together with that, did you? Mm-hmm. And then this, and this is what I don't get, because we talked earlier about Tony Isabella. He he was, you know, got his start in the Bronze Age. Yep. Uh, but the dialogue is really off the wall, and not off Ooh. the wall like Bronze Age off the wall or Purple Prose. It's I, I don't know what was going on here. So after she says about Joe, her next uh, word bubble says, "My current assignments are five lovable dopes from Limbo." <laughs> what? <laughs> five lovable dopes from Limbo, who will shortly join forces as the inaccurately named Satan Six. Uh, I'm like, yeah. uh, it's already lost me. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. Well, you didn't, say, you oh. didn't say a bunch of dopes back in 93, Billy? Oh, my God. <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not there. Like, it's like the artwork is already losing me a little bit. And then, like, the dialogue, I'm just like, oh, boy. And how about this next page? So, okay. Like, this next page to me, that top panel reminds me of something from the golden age a little bit where you see these uh these two guys uh, and they they look kind of golden agey don't you think in that panel those no blue, question they're two blue guys yeah and and i think the colors themselves they're definitely hearkening back to an old era you know what i mean you, because mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the contrast they would use where they had limitations in color back in some of the uh you know especially the golden age and and uh, silver age stuff they, they they didn't have an array of colors or they didn't have a computer that could punch out any single color that you want in the spectrum. They had, you know, a, a very small palette. So you got stark contrast with these blues that you see here. So, yeah, it absolutely, you know, it harkens back to the old days for sure. Yeah. And then the, the next part of that page, you know, the next few panels there, there are three, uh, you know, vertical panels. They scream you know, early '90s and early '90s image to me for sure. Oh, like you said no. about Cleary, yeah, for sure. No question. I mean, you've got the you've got the anatomy that's all over the place. You've got you know, uh, you've definitely got a McFarlane influence there. I don't care what anybody says. The McFarlane influence is all over this with the wild hair and the you know the long chins and the teeth. You know, it's it's all signature McFarlane. I mean, you take a look at uh, you know the second panel. So, you know, you have your top panel, I, I guess the third panel, and you got a picture of the uh, Hard Luck Harrigan, and he's talking, he's got a cigar in his mouth. That looks like the Violator, man. You got the big teeth and the large jaw and, you know, the spit going everywhere. I mean, it's just <laughs> he, he's definitely he's trying to ape a, a uh, you know, a McFarland style or an early 90s style, and he just doesn't have the goods to deliver it. You know what I mean? It comes out way too cartoony and teethy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. TV is definitely a word. And it's just and again, it continues on to the next page. You know, we 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 see there's, you know, characters. You don't really get too deep on them. There's action. 
And again, the, the artwork is tough for me. And then the dialogue, even trying to read it, throws me off like that very next page. Cerebrus, you motherless demon spawn. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what the heck is this guy talking about? Like, And again, to think that this is Tony Isabella just blows my mind because it just it isn't, you know, kind of how he, you know, would dialogue stories, you know, whether it was. Oh, you know, it's really off. Like, was the script done like without seeing the artwork? Maybe uh, like. Or, or was the possible. artwork done without seeing the script? Because there's definitely uh, there's something going on here that that's not connecting because, you know, the the verbiage just doesn't seem like it would come out of a human's mouth. You know what I mean? Or no. or it's not gelling with what's on the page. There's there's something that's missing here. So, yeah, but I mean, it's... right, right now, right now, we well, we're failing to mention that we we introduced that, you know, everybody to the secret six. So, I mean, or. Yeah, Satan secret, six, I should say. Four, four, four fifth. What does uh, Pristine say? Four fifths uh, of the uh, of the team here. Enter yes. four four fifths of my caseload. Uh, Brian Blue Dragon is not among us, says this big dude. Uh, <laughs> I Kuga, Mighty Slayer of Lions, and yeah, the the names for these characters. I'm assuming they were Kirby names, but I don't know. I can't, you know, verify that 100%, but I'm assuming they are because it was all his concepts. But, yeah, the names kind of suck. Oh, they they do. You got Desira, who's like a, um, I guess she's considered a seductress. So, you know, she's she's one of these these girls. She's got the large Kirby hair. You know, well, you can't see it here because, we're you know, you've got Clary drawn her. But, you know, when Kirby envisions her, she's the classic Kirby girl. You know, Like an enchantress, yeah. Yeah, like an enchantress. She's she's like super butt ugly in that classic Kirby style. But, but she's got like the large Kirby hair. She's got that stock model body from the, you know, the the 60s or, the, or even the 40s, maybe. Then you've got Hard Luck Harrigan, who looks like almost like a demented Sherlock Holmes. And he's like a gangster, I guess, that that they're trying to play him out with. And, you know, almost like from the 20s. That's that's all we really get from him. You get Coogan, Kuga, the African warrior. I mean, he's considered a lion slayer, but the thing about this, and they, they try to give him a little bit of detail, they say that, you know, he, he's somebody who would say that he kills lions, but he secretly loves animals, so he doesn't kill anything, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's which, which is Which is hilarious, and then you've got Dr. Mordius, who basically is, I guess, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, it looks, you know, just like how Marvel envisioned him in, in some of their comic books and all that type mm -hmm. of stuff. So he's a like a mass murderer. So I mean, you got you got an array of of these crazy quirky characters, and they just seem like I guess archetypes. And then of course the guy that we're seeing here in the main panel, who looks almost like Conanish in this particular thing, is Brian Blue Dragon. Now he he's set to look like Conan here, but a little bit later he almost looks like I guess he's supposed to be like one of King Arthur's guards. I guess is is Kirby's intention. But uh, you know both artists are on two very very different planes of existence here. Yeah, and I would just like to say, put this on the record, that uh, Hard Luck Harrigan is an Irish stereotype, and that offends me. So, okay, let's move on. Oh, <laughs> I'm just, like, super offended. <laughs> i just like to start the show with offensiveness. <laughs> but, yeah, the other guy, he does look very Conan, very, uh, oh, what's that television show that Kirby and was it Alex Toth did in the early 80s there with that barbarian guy? Oh, I'm brain Thunder. farting on it. Thunder. A barbarian. Yeah, yeah he he's kinda, got a kinda, very thumper like look. Him. Yeah, except he he's got blue hair. Other than that, he, he kind of reminds you of him. He's got a <laughs> crazy sword and 
he fights some three-headed demon here. Um, but, but but the problem is is that these characters barely resemble like only in 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 basic clothing do they resemble what Kirby intentioned them as because I mean you get to see uh, Kirby's version of Satan Six in Kirby's pages yes. and doesn't look anything like what Cleary is doing it's it's such a shocking transition when you go from a Cleary page to the Kirby page and it is like it feels like you're reading two different completely unrelated comics in one book with no with no rhyme or reason how the page numbers were it's it's crazy what we're seeing here yeah yeah and again the next that next page then too where you know blue dragon is uh, still you know attacking these uh, gatekeepers he's calling them hey so uh he says <laughs> you'll be dressing for your funeral if you don't let me through yon stygian gates and i'm thinking dressing they're buck naked so swears blue dragon and his the way he's drawn there uh, I don't know, man. Like, no, again, I don't want to crap on Cleary and whoever inked this page and all, but wow, man, that's just, uh, yeah. I know people who are just, you know, not professional comic book artists that could do a better job than that. But I mean, I guess they were going for a style, right? But the thing, the, another thing about this, which which makes me feel that this is intentional, that it's a, that it's an actual artistic choice to draw like this and not that it's mm-hmm. just bad art, is that they're intentionally trying to have a humorous spin. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Like this, this is all for parody. Now think about this: you're setting up a dead serious superhero, mm-hmm. um, a dead serious superhero universe. You're trying to compete with the big boys, the Marvels, the DCs. Who you know they're they're doing all all manner of stuff. I mean, X Men has just relaunched. You've got X Force exploding. You've got all kind. You've got McFarlane on Spider Man over at DC. They're killing off their heroes. You got you know you got Superman return like dying. You got everything going on. You got Image exploding. You know around this time, and it's a real crazy choice to almost do parody for the beginning of your superhero universe. It, it makes no sense. This is almost like something that image did with like, um, spit and image. Remember when they did that, when they did oh, like, yep. uh, parody, that's what this feels like. And it shouldn't be, this is, this is like the intro to their superhero universe and you're playing it as a joke. Yeah. And then the demons, uh, have some, uh, pretty good dialogue as well. They say to uh, blue dragon when he says to let him through, be my flippin' guest. They've only locked to. They're only locked to keep the damned from getting out. And then he says, "One of another one says, what a dweeb." What? Oh man! Uh, yeah, this is this is rough, 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 rough. What a dweeb! And I mean, look at look at those demons. Those are violators, my friend. Mm. From Spawn, those are straight. Like you color those oh, things yeah. white. Those those yeah. are those are absolutely violators from Spawn. No question. Mm. I don't know. I don't know, man. There's 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 a lot going on here. And uh, I don't know. So the whole idea behind this is that you've got, I, I guess, to lay out exactly what the the Satan six are. I mean, the concept took a while for me to actually wrap my head around. I mean, I don't I don't know if you, you managed to figure out all the details of it. But I mean, it's just. I, how can I put this? What, what, what's your impression? What, what do you think is the actual concept? What, what do you think that these characters are doing? It's to give the reader a headache. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like I said, I wish, like we said, this was very late in Jack Kirby's life. Yes. So I would have preferred, and this might sound crazy, but okay. So he like wrote and drew, what did we say? Like maybe eight or 10 pages. 
I would have yeah, rather they put out an eight or ten page comic just with these concepts and it was very vague and just all his work than the rest of this. I I would I, I would have much preferred that because this other stuff is to me very difficult to understand, piece together, make any kind of coherent story about. And it, I would never buy the next issue of this of this book. Never. <laughs> even even if even if it had Jack unless it said issue two was twenty two pages of Jack Kirby one hundred percent, that would be the only way I would buy issue two of this comic. That's it. <laughs> That's it. There's no other way. My God. Well, well, okay. So my, my version of the con, you're, you're exactly right. My version of the concept of this thing is that you've got six, I guess, wannabe super villains, I would say. And, you know, they've, they've all been dead. So five of these people have been dead humans. You know what I mean? So now mm -hmm. they're trapped in purgatory. So, you know, they're trapped. They can't get out. They're just sitting around with no purpose. And after centuries, they're sick and tired of it. They don't want to mm -hmm. deal with it. It's just a monotonous lifestyle, and they want to do anything they can to get out. So that's why you see these characters, you know, showing up. They they want to get the hell out. So what does that mean? How are they going to get out? Well, they're going to go to work for Satan. Oh, so man. now they're going to. These guys are considered too bad. So they make a deal with someone a little bit later on named Odious Camodius, which is a real weird, almost. <laughs> Uh, new gods type of name to go uh, to earth and their whole mission is to secure human souls they're going to prime people up to become you know souls for satan so that's their whole purpose their their idea is they want to get out of limbo so they're going to make a deal with the devil to bring back human souls and that's the whole idea of satan six now can you get that concept out of this comic book absolutely not Mm -mm. No, I had I, I literally had to research that to figure out what this comic book is about. And that is another shame of this this entire book. Yeah. And I will say for and I do understand this uh, uh, criticism where you have some people that uh, are detractors of Kirby's writing when he wrote, drew and edited his own stuff at DC for a little bit and then at Marvel for a little bit. They're like, oh, his dialogue wasn't great. Blah, blah. Listen to me. <laughs> if you think. Pick this up and read this and then go back and read that. You will think Jack Kirby is Shakespeare, my friend. I can tell you well, that right now. <laughs> Kirby also knew to write to his audience. So mm -hmm. he knew that this was a fan base of kids and, you know, ranging from five years old to 12 years old. You know what I mean? So he's writing mm -hmm. for his audience. He's not writing for, you know, 45 year old man babies that everybody's writing for today. And, you know, 2022, let's face it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Same audience that was reading this is still reading the comics, Billy. That's that's what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. So. No kids. I'm telling you right now, there were there were very few kids that were actually buying these comics because we were at the heart of 93 with the speculator boom. So now it's teenagers to mid adults that this is your audience because it's shifted. The Bronze Age were, you know, actual kids buying comics. You had star comics. You had, you know, the Archies, the Heathcliffs. You had all that stuff that is now gone in the 90s because the audience shifted. They've grown up. So now we're here. But boy. I think upgrading, yeah, never ever make fun of Jack Kirby's dialogue because, like you said, this is complete Shakespeare. This is literary masterworks compared to what uh, what um, what these guys are doing here. Just just atrocious, and so it, wait, it's nonsensical. You can't you, you can't understand the story. Is is no. another problem? No, it's absolute just just indiscernible, indecipherable. 
shenanigans. But what do you think of this first Kirby page, though? We come to our first Kirby page here, and Love I think it. this is great. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, like, I mean, right away, you get the classic Kirby characters. So you got the demons right out front. And Kirby just draws stuff uh, with... Uh, I guess this it's a defined style, like his architecture is always the first thing that strikes you. His his use of form, just the way he draws like an interior of a mouth is classic Kirby. It's just literally mm -hmm. black with like a little red swirl in it. And, it's, you know, it's Kirby. Oh, it looks great. They're, they're like these demonic like lizard people. <laughs> they look yes. really cool. Yeah, I really like them. They're really cool. And I'm thinking to myself, yes, if I had if this book was 20 some pages of this. I would love it. I would think this is great, <laughs> but Me it's too. not. <laughs> oh, no. no, but but I mean, right away. I mean, how many pages do we get with Kirby here? So you get three, four back to back Kirby pages before it transitions. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, it's 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 beautifully rendered. I think that it's inked very well. So I don't know what stage that they intercepted the uh, the Kirby art. I mean, was this fully detailed, fully colored work? I, I would tend to think not because that's mm. why we have all these guests. So I think what they did here was take each page and just farm it out. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. you know, so-and-so would do the inks on this page and so-and-so would do the inks on this page. And you get a bit of inconsistency. However, the Kirby work is stays intact, which I really, really like. And I mean, right mm -hmm. here, you got Brian Blue Dragon, who looks completely different he actually looks like Thundar here, like completely like Thundar. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's fighting his way through. It's high concept. It's it's full Kirby where, you know, you got the definitive posing. You got the sword and sorcery. It's bombastic. It's full of Kirby dots everywhere. I mean, just all the epic fun of Jack Kirby is right here on display. And if you're a Kirby fan, these pages are these pages are beautiful. Oh, yeah, they're great. And like we said, this is less than a year away from when he's going to pass away when this came out. And I mean. I love that page then, too, when, you know, <laughs> uh, Blue Dragon there finally makes it to uh, Satan's office and he's sitting there with a stogie at a desk <laughs> and he takes his sword and rams it into Satan's desk. And he's like, can't you get that into your thick skull? He says to Blue Dragon, it's great. It's a great page. You know what I mean? Like I said, these Kirby pages are really, really good, no matter who the inker is. They're great. Yeah. And, and basically what's going on here with the Kirby pages, you get to see Brian Blue Dragon and he enters the fray. So he wants to see Satan. He's sick and tired of being locked in purgatory. So what he wants to do, he wants to get in the face of the devil and say, hey, man, like I, I need to get out of here. Whatever we got to do to make a deal. But he's driving Satan crazy. He, he just Satan has no time for him. He doesn't want anything to do with this guy. He's annoyed that he's in his presence. He just wants to sit back and smoke and, uh, you know. That's that's the whole thing. So I think Satan gets irritated with, you know, these Satan six even existing, and he just mm -hmm. wants to get them off their plate. So he's going to offer them a deal and a big expensive deal at the end of the day that that may cost them their souls. But, uh, you know, just to get them out of his face, that that's the whole whole gist of what's happening here. Yeah. And I love that page where all it is is four panels zoomed <laughs> in on Satan with this stogie and the two of them, you know, having words back and forth. <laughs> I love those pages. They look fantastic. Like th that stuff is great. You you take away the word balloons. I'd love to own that page of artwork. It would be great. But look how look how simple Kirby's work is. It they're like he doesn't use much perspective. They're straight on, but they're beautiful. He you know it's the classic use of the form. Look at the Kirby fingers. Even the Kirby fingers. You know the way Kirby draws hands, and it's all on display here. And it's just I, I don't I don't know. There's. He's one artist that that I think um, 
that I think just trendsetted, like created an entire generation of of people who mimicked his work. And nobody quite gets it right as well. You know, you got people who can do, you know, a reasonable facsimile, I'd say, but nobody gets it 100% right. Something is always off, whether it's the face or the hands or something. Nobody gets mm-hmm. the full package of Kirby for sure. Yeah, and he's got this Kirby crackle going on around the, the yeah. c- cigar and everything too. And then it kind of, it seems like the cigar blows up in Satan's face. I don't know if it was a, a, a trick cigar here, a exploding cigar or what, but yeah, that that's great. And then, you know, next page, it's back to the pristine and that, you know, blue and, you know, kind of sketchy kind of, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just, again, what a, what a, it, it kills what a transition. What a transition. So, I mean, like I said, it's like two separate comic books are going on here. And there's there's mm. nothing going on. You got Pristine and she's making her little quips again about Brian and, you know, just giving us some basic story. But none of it is really, really making any sense. No, not at all. It's just and it said it's very jarring to go from the Kirby pages then to these. It's super, super jarring because like the characters, like I said, they don't even look like the same characters from how I he's got, drawing them to these. I got a question for you. So take a look at the. So you got the page there with where Kirby ends off, and it's the four panel with Satan, okay? Mm-hmm. Now you have one, two, three, four pages of John Cleary art, and then it goes right back to the Kirby art. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need any of the Cleary pages. It actually makes more sense to remove those four pages and continue right on with that next Kirby page. Like it yeah. picks up exactly where that last panel left off and yeah. with the conversation with uh, Blue Dragon and the Devil. Yeah, that's why I said to you, yeah, I would have been fine if this would have been a little 10-page comic book that was just, like, getting you pumped up for what's going to happen or whatever, and it was just the Kirby stuff. It would have been great. I would think this stuff is really cool. I would definitely seek this out. So literally the only thing that, that of, of value that we receive here out of all those pages is that Blue Dragon wants to make a deal, and he's going to send these other four four people to help him out. And that's literally everything that 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 happens in all those pages. So you know mm-hmm. the the devil's annoyed by this this barbarian guy, and he summons four others that are going to join him to to, you know, try to escape out of purgatory. That's literally the entire story. So all that narrative, all those extra pages meant nothing, which yeah. is which which I don't really get. No, and I I I get you know. It was the 90s, so they were trying to do something different. And with the non-Kirby pages trying to do something, you know, of the time, I, I totally get that. But I just think, you know, you were using a Kirby concept and using Kirby's name. I just think, yeah, why did they go that route? I just like if they would have had all these other artists and said to them, hey, listen, um, we want you to try to, you know, ape Kirby's pencils as best yes. you can and let Royer yes. Ink the rest of it or something like why why couldn't they do that that would have been fantastic let me tell you something if you told somebody like a eric larson who's a huge huge kirby fan yeah eric, i need you to bang out you know eight pages of jack kirby like art he would have dove in head first and he would have delivered something that would have been at least reasonably you know familiar to the kirby style you know what i mean anybody yeah could- yeah, but Ron Friends. Yeah, he's yeah, another guy. Ron that does Friends some... absolutely yep. would have been a perfect Kirby. Yeah. But instead, instead they chose this radically different approach, and and it really takes you out of the book. It really takes you out of the book, and it kills the seriousness. It kills the tone of the book, the feel. Everything is wrong, and it's two separate color palettes too. So, part of this 
is like beautiful colors. And then the other part seems completely computer generated. You know what I mean? So it feels mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't gel well. And I do like too. there's, yeah. yeah, there's a page here in the middle of the book where you get all like, you know, kind of a, a roll call page with the characters yes. here drawn by Kirby. Love it. And, oh, it looks great. Yeah. You, that's to me, these characters look really cool the way he draws them. And they're on this page. Like, yeah, this is great. I would love to read this comic book. This comic book right here with these characters, the way they are drawn. This seems like a great concept. I would I would buy this every week or every month. So, you know so, what I mean? so if, if you took that little roll call panel and basically what it is, it's like a, a, a white rectangle and it says Jack Kirby, Satan Six. And it has all the characters. They're standing straight on and it has a little tiny bio with just a little snippet of what each character is about. So we'll just, we'll just do one. It says Brian Blue Dragon. This erring knight has his worst of intentions, but his bad deeds always turned out to be good. So, you know, you got this guy who's, you know, basically sent to hell, but, you know, his intentions always turn out to be, his deeds always turn out to be good. So as much as he intends to be a vicious bad guy, you know, it always turns out that he's on the, on the side of good. So, you know what I mean? That tells us just that little snippet about the, the characters, but that's all that the writer is basing it on. That's the only piece of narrative that you get. So, you know, they have to take this little snippet mm-hmm. and incorporate it into a character. And I think they fail miserably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, you just look at these characters. Some of them are, you know, sort of you, you get sort of a look from them like, you know, the, the character to the far right. He kind of looks like a Kirby monster with yeah. skin like the thing had when he was, you know, fantastic for the early years where it was more like a hide than it was, yeah. you know, rocks. He kind of looks like that. The that desira kind of looks like beautiful dreamer a little bit, but to me, I don't care. Like I, I just no. think they still look different enough. And so good. These were really good characters. He created. No question. No question. And they're, they're, they're a weird cast. So, you know, you picture all these people in hell. So you got basically <laughs> the, you know, you've got the barbarian who's killed a lot of people. You got like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Who's a mass murderer. You've got Kuga, the lion killer. So he's an animal killer, but not really. And then you've got a demon. You've got like a, uh, a a lady of the night whose escapades have landed her in hell. You know what I mean? And you've got like mm-hmm. this greasy, petty gambler and mobster in Hard Luck Hannigan. So, I mean, you know, all these people, they, they've got their vices. But, you know, all they all they want to do is make it like get out of purgatory. They're stuck. They're not in hell. They're not in heaven. They're stuck right in the middle and they want to get out. And the only way out is making a deal with Satan. Yeah, and then again, next page, Kirby splash page, you know, a close up of uh, four out of the, the, or I'm sorry, yeah, four out of the six characters. It looks great. It's really good. It looks like classic Kirby, like you would have seen, you know, in the Bronze Age, you know, uh, Fourth World stuff or, uh, you know, yeah, New Gods, all that stuff, or even the Marvel work looks like that. It looks really good. Oh, it does. This this is this will be a great wall poster. I mean, just picture the colors and all that type of stuff. This this is a great a great Kirby splash page here, as, as we'll say. You know what I mean? You got your your characters on display. I mean, you could tell their intentions and then the, just their vibe just from their look, even if you had no narrative there at all. And then we go right back into the next Cleary page. And the Cleary page is such a mess, Billy. This mm. is one of those ones where there's no defined panels. You're trying to break panels, which is a, you know, a, a classic 
uh, McFarlane trope that he, you know, basically introduced in Marvel. I mean, they they were I remember there being upset when when McFarlane started to break borders. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So he, he was in Spider-Man and he'd have Spider-Man come out of panel and, you know, the panel just being, you know, framed around him over just over his shoulder. And, you know, he'd be free flying through the page. And a lot of the editors hated that. <laughs> and I, I thought it was great at the time. But uh, listen, Mr. John Cleary has cemented that uh, that proof. If I was an editor and I saw this come my way, I would be like I would fold it up and file it straight to the garbage. Mm. <laughs> it's really bad. And yeah. again, again, it, it's not related to the to the story. So basically all that's happened here in the story, they made a deal with the devil. Now they're given these red suits. So, of course, if you're saying six and a superhero team, you got to have your suit and they give them these ugly red and yellow almost like superhero suits with the number six get it satan six <laughs> on their on their chest and the only thing that they did they gave him a helicopter and they flew to earth but instead john cleary just decides he's going to have this full page of narrative where the characters are talking to two hell demons and you get the devil to joke that you know ha 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 i'm sending these bozos away and then we're right back to a kirby page Again, yet another page that adds nothing and doesn't belong in the book. Yeah. Oh, man. How about that ship, though? The way Kirby draws it? Oh, my gosh. That's love a fantastic it. image. Oh. I would love to have that toy. Oh, yeah. It's really, really cool. It's almost like a bug-like, insect-like kind of ship. It's great. They call it a helicopter. I don't Even mm. though I don't any, see any chopper blades, but it's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. It's got like two little rotors on the side and it got like flame coming out the back. So to picture this thing, it almost looks like an insect. It's insect like it's got like the classic Kirby red mouth. It's got like Spider-Man eyes. The whole thing is like the blue beetle bug, but it's blue and it's got like two rotors and flames coming at the back. It's crazy looking in a classic Kirby style. I love it. Yeah, and then two crazy monsters right there too, uh, yes. watching it come flying in. And again, you're 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 thinking, okay, I'm getting into this, and then boom, right back to uh, a Cleary page. Pristine. It's like pristine. Yeah. So pristine, the the ethereal god who's oh. looking over. She's trying to foil these people because pristine's whole goal in the book is that she wants to keep these people on the straight and narrow. She believes in Satan six. She don't think that they're bad people. Mm -hmm. She doesn't think that they're, you know, they're, they're sentenced to hell. So she's going to try to trip them up. She's going to try to stop them from doing bad. Okay. That's mm -hmm. the whole thing. So the Satan six appear They're in, they're in, um, they're on earth and now they have their own club headquarters, club inferno. <laughs> now, you want to know something cool about Club Inferno? And I thought this concept was so cool. So the idea behind a nightclub is so they can get, you know, lost souls to stray in so they could lead them to Satan, okay? But Club Inferno looks different to every person who walks in there. So it's based on their personality. So say, for example, you have a gambler. Club Inferno, to them, appears as a, uh, as a casino. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What a cool concept. So, you know, basically it's a, it's a trap to catch souls. So, you know, you've got the, uh, the same six in here and they're, they're waiting for these souls to come into club Inferno and everybody thinks they're coming into their own personal vice. We'll say if that's a restaurant, then they'll see a restaurant. If it's a casino, there'll be a casino. If it's a, you know, a, a, an escort place, you know, it's going to yeah. be that. So. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's a whorehouse, there's some ladies. Yeah. There. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, I was trying to keep it PG, but yes, if it's a whorehouse, <laughs> it's full of whores. There you go. Oh, but uh, but yeah, so that's pretty that's pretty cool. But again, would you know that by reading this? And I'm going to say, no, you would not. 
Yeah, it, it's in, it's very, very hard to figure out what's going on. And then the very last page of this story has, I don't know how you describe this creature. <laughs> it kind of looks like a, a demonic creature, hulking red version of the Punisher. It's got, you know, uh, bullets everywhere and a giant gun. And uh, it's, I love it's, his it's like it's, it's like Red Hulk with, uh, with bullets and magazine clips all over him. Yeah, and I love his dialogue. You got that right, soldier. And I'm going to whip this maggoty outfit if and it kills you again. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, I mean, I, I, so if you're reviewing this, what, what, like, seriously, what, what would you, what would you give this? So you got to picture it and look at it from this perspective, Billy. Look at it from a launch book of a brand new superhero universe. Do you think, number one, that this is a book you would ever buy again? Would this lead you to continue on with the Secret City saga? No way. Nope. Not a chance. Like, zero, zero chance. So right out of the gate, tops, huge, huge failure. Now, um, another thing, storyline. Is there any tangential reason for you to continue? Like, is there any lead-in to Bombast, Night Glider, or Captain Glory? Is there any sense that any of these books continue on? Not nothing. Zero. Mm-mm. So right away, this whole – remember right at the beginning we were talking about that that entire almost like map that they gave us of the Secret City saga. Read this book first. Mm-hmm. Even if you read this, you wouldn't know that there's any other books available. No. You don't know this is part of a bigger universe at all. No. Nothing. None. Nor do you want it to be. I, I don't want any more of this universe. I would, I would, if this was a universe, I'd hope there was a black hole that sucked the entire thing up and made it vanish like the new universe. Mm, oh. Yeah. And it's a shame yeah. too, because like we said, the Kirby stuff is good, but like, even if you were going to say, Oh, well, how would you rate this? You know, one to 10, I'd have a hard time giving it even a five, even though I love the Kirby pages just because if, the other got a, Yeah. If it got a five, it would be because of the Kirby. Yeah, that really that really is the only reason it would be there. And I, I would try to say something like that, to be fair, because, again, I, I just like you said, the, the story and the concepts and things like that, it's so it's so all over the place because of the artwork and other people's interpretations of the characters and stuff like that. You can't even figure out what's going on. No, it's, it's just a mess. And then we pivot again. So now, so now <laughs> we actually have a backup story, which is curious, and it's done by, in 100%, in his own style, it's Steve Ditko. And the thing is called Wolf, uh, Wolf and Bird, Counselors of the Macabre. And this is right up your alley, Billy. I mean, this, 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 this should speak to you. Yeah, I know this, you're a horror guy. What do you think? Yeah, this is definitely a rings true to like Kirby's or I'm sorry, uh, Ditko's, uh, you know, crazy, weird monster, sci-fi, just bizarre stories that he did back in the silver age. This is kind of what this is a callback to. And it's written by a guy that I don't know a lot about, uh, Batten Lash. And I know he passed away a few years ago because I remember I didn't know who the guy was. I don't think I had ever read any of his work and a lot of the creators, uh, young and older, all, you know, said that he was a really, really nice guy. I remember people saying, you know, like, oh, it was a, you know, kind of a big loss because he was such a nice guy, very well liked and respected in the business. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, this one is uh, about a Professor Griswold. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And there's a supernatural uh, lawyers, Wolf and Bird. And, you know, it's a, a demon that's come to do some bidding here. And 
he's going to be sued by Wolf and Bird. It's like, it's it's a crazy story. It's really one of those stories where you're just like, what is going on here? Which I do have some older Ditko material. And there are some stories sometimes, especially like sci-fi and stuff like that, where I'll read them. <clears throat> and yeah. I, I don't really get a ton out of uh, the story itself uh, from no. the dialogue, but I do visually. I really like the visuals. I love his artwork. And and it's like something at a time. So you know what I mean. It's like mm-hmm. literally this is this is ripped from a nineteen sixties. You know, uh, almost almost like a Charlton horror comic. That's that's what I would say. Yeah. What this reminds me of, and I, I think it's beautiful. I, I would you know I I would buy the artwork to this thing. I mean, it's classic Ditko at the you know at his at his disco Ditko finest. Maybe he's got someone else doing some inking that you know. You know, tidies up some of his characters to make them look a little bit different, I think. But uh, overall, you've got classic Ditko on display. It's classic horror. Uh, maybe the backup story alone is maybe a reason to buy this issue. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's strong enough to buy the issue from because I honestly don't know if this ever continued. But classic Ditko and another thing about Ditko. So, you know, he's a big, you know, Ayn Rand fan. So, you know, he's all about, uh, what's it, objectivism? I think mm-hmm. it is. Yep. I th- yep, I th- yep. Yeah. So he's so he's heavy into that, and he's always into, you know, guilty, not guilty. You know, the court rules, the the laws of society, and you know how we balance, you know, what is what is, uh, you know, crime and what is not. And of course, this is yet another, you know, heavy lawyer-filled right versus wrong type story. So you know, every single thing you know about Ditko is on display in these few pages, and it's you know. Like you said, it doesn't matter about the story because visually it, it looks nice, and that's all that really mattered to me. Yeah, and I, I did uh, have a brain fart there. It's uh, written and penciled by Batten Lash, and then uh, Ditko did the inks, which obviously it looks very uh, Ditko. So <laughs> It does. No, you can tell. You can tell yeah. like he really, really added his uh, – well, one thing about it is that it's done in the classic coloring. Mm-hmm. You yes. notice that? So, it's so not- you have you have a real, real almost uh, silver age, like early, like late golden age type style. And uh, Ditko is doing more than inking here, man. He's like heavily poor forcing his uh, his pencil over the top of that, or his inks over the top of this uh, this work, because this is absolutely Steve Ditko here. Yeah, and I will say I did just peek ahead at the other three issues in this uh, Satan Six uh, series here. And this is the only one that's a, a part of that. You know, er, every other backup is something different with totally different creators. And uh, I will also say, too, uh, <clears throat> this is the, the, now this does have me thinking, hmm, maybe I will check out the final issue because there's no more Kirby after this. It's all just all these other creators, Cleary and Armando <laughs> Gill for pencils and inks. But here's the synopsis for issue four. <clears throat> Commodious tries to replace Frightful with Jason Voorhees. <laughs> oh my gosh. How did they get the rights to that? That's great. But the plan backfires when Jason tries to kill Commodious. So I, I've got I've got to try to look, look that one up. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is definitely, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I actually have that particular one. So, oh, I mean, great. right on the cover, it's got the, it's the Jason mask. And it's got like the silver Jason mask from. Um, oh, yeah. Well, right. Yes, it's 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 a very very cool visual. So I mean, you know what? 
uh, they're harnessing one of the things that they they've got going for their company, and that's the licensing because they own Jurassic Park, they own Freddy, they own Jason, so they've got all these characters at their disposal. And Voorhees definitely appears in this thing, and he's he's the rugged Jason with the smashed up mask, and he comes at him, and it's uh, it's kind of cool. But um, <laughs> that sounds hilarious. But I like how on uh, Comics.org here, uh, it, issue notes. Jason Voorhees is the mass murderer from the Friday the 13th movies. Well, thanks oh, for adding that. Yeah, thanks for adding that in there. <laughs> wow. Thank wow. God for footnotes. <laughs> That's great. But... Oh, man. What yeah. a disaster. Yeah, I mean, again, like you said, you said it best at the beginning. This is one of those things where, you know, Kirby had a lot of ideas through his entire humongous, gigantic career you know, it spanned what 60 years. So I, I totally understand how somebody in the biz, especially during the boom, would get a hold of this idea and think, wow, this is a really great idea. Let's do this. It's just that the, the transition from let's do this to, you know, their their choices for artwork and and how they kind of put a pencil to paper here is is what I'm, uh, I'm not finding too fun. Yeah, it's it's really weird. And I think. One that one of the criticisms on this book, because I really went into the reviews, I took a look at what you know, what were people saying back in the time about this book? You know what I mean? And it mm-hmm. really got lambasted. I mean, it really, really wow. failed to capture the audience. But one thing that they were talking about is that there are a lot of discrepancies. So you know, they took a lot of Kirby's notes and they basically ignored them. So um, Harrigan, for example, he's the guy with the you know the gangster guy. Uh, you know, he's he's supposed to be really wimpy looking and freckle face, you know, Weasley in, in like Kirby's notes. But in the actual story, he's almost like a almost like a thug and he's got like the giant John. He looks sinister. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't really <clears throat> like take on the visual. And of course, the the headquarters was supposed to be called the Groovy Ghoul. Now, you know. Say what you want about that. I don't know. Maybe maybe they improved that one. And and the other one was Modius. They said, you know, some of his you were supposed to see some of his experiments and some of his stuff play out in his initial thing. And you didn't get to see any of that. So, I mean, a lot mm. of Kirby's intention were not put on the screen here either. So, I mean, why, what do you do? Yeah, like we said, it's just it's one of those things where it was so late in life for Kirby I think at that point, you know, if somebody came to him and said, hey, we like this idea, let's do something, you know, creative and fun and cool. He was going to be all in for it. But I can't imagine he, you know, saw this and thought this was, you know, something really awesome. You know, he's probably thinking, (laughs) he's like, my God, I wish I still had, you know, had it in me to draw and, you know, script this entire thing myself. Because, again, like we said, he would have done a good job. If I'm not mistaken, this is archive work. I don't even think this is new work from Kirby. Oh, so this is stuff he had laying around. Yeah, this is stuff he had laying around, and people, you know, people were going through his, uh, through his stuff. And I know that, like, like over an image, like when when he passed, and Liefeld went over to the uh, the the Kirby estate, and he found a whole bunch of stuff, and they did. I think, like I said, don't quote me, Phantom Force. I want to say, and it was, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is found material, found footage. We'll say. Mm. And they tried they tried to make a comic book out of, uh, you know, a few pages of some concepts that Kirby just had basically kicking around. And uh, they were not successful, unfortunately, with this stuff. Now, what I'll tell you is the good news and we'll all we'll we'll end this on a bright note is that some more of the Secret City saga is a little bit better. 
So, I mean, when you, when you get into night glider and bombast and different stuff like that, um, it's actually not terrible. Okay. Mm, okay. So you get more of a serious, uh, a serious superhero approach. The artwork is not as lazy, I'll say in some of those issues. And, you know, some people try to make an attempt to, to inspire, you know, have inspiration from Kirby. Now, are, now are they going to break records and, you know, are you going to put your kids through college? No, you're not. You know, you're you're still going to be sitting on your bombast in the fifty percent bin, or a fifty cent bin, I should say. You know, and maybe that trading card is still there too, Billy. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so is the is the Secret City Saga, and so is the the Top Comics Revolution, which which failed before it even got off the ground. I think they should have uh, maybe stuck to their licenses because I think that's where they made their money from. You know, stuff like X Files and movie adaptations. So. This would this was a misfire, unfortunately. Yeah, like we said, it's uh, not awesome. So it's kind of sucky. But yeah, <laughs> let's, let, let, like we said, definitely, if you can even just do image searches online to find the Kirby pages for this, check them out. They're they're great. They're oh, yeah. really 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 good stuff. It's it's really good stuff. It, it, again, it reminds you very much of his, you know, later in life, you know, DC Marvel Bronze or even his uh, '80s work with you know uh, Pacific and stuff like that. For sure, right? I agree. Agreed. Agreed. And and listen, listen, any Kirby, good or bad Kirby, is always good Kirby. So there you go. It's always definitely worth checking out. Absolutely. No question. No so. question. All right. Well, why don't we wrap things up here, my friend? So what's going on with you? So you have your blog and then SBTU. Why don't you talk about that here? Oh, listen, if you don't know what S Super Blog Team Up is, well, it just so happens we have a group for you to join. If you're on Twitter, go to the Twitter groups and you can actually join and converse with the Super Blog Team Up. We're a bunch of bloggers who, you know, get together uh, three to four times a year. We do a blogging uh, themed event. We pick a theme and, you know, we get uh, we get a whole bunch of our crew to write different different. Uh, different stories, different blogs, do podcasts, all centered around one particular topic. And it's a whole bunch of fun. If you want to find our work, hit hashtag super blog team up, hashtag SBTU and join in the fun and be sure to join the super blog team up group over on Twitter as well for more fun. We get to see all kinds of quirky comic book postings and all kinds of fun and blog posts, all kinds of stuff. Join the fun. That's super blog team up. Mm-hmm. And then what do you have going on at superhero satellite? Anything going on over there? What's up? Superhero Satellite, we, uh, well, if you're into that, I've been working on my uh, fourth podcast coming up. So I wanted to do a, a, what I like to call a box set. So I've been doing, you know, some interviews with, uh, with different people, you know, that, that I wanted to connect with, you know, I've had one with, uh, well, listen, uh, Comic Geek Speaks, uh, Peter Rios, I had on my okay. first show, I've had Scott yeah. Kinney, who was uh, Mark Hamill's uh, producer over on Pop Culture Quest on YouTube. Um, and, you know, we've even had um, myself and Adam from the uh, Wizards Podcast Guide to Comics. Mm-hmm. We interviewed Dave Olbrich of the of the Ultraverse uh, fame, and we had a full-length interview with him there for the third episode. So I've got another one in the cooker waiting to come out and, and clue up the box set, and then we're back to blogging again. So, yeah, that's a superhero satellite. Yeah, and then you're on uh, with uh, Mark Radulich quite a bit too, aren't you? We are always hanging out with Mark Radlich. My God, what are we talking about? We talk about comic books. We talk about professional wrestling for the most part. So you never know. We're going to be doing a live stream of your favorite event. Join us for the fun and shenanigans. And I'll tell you what, put the wife and kids to bed because sometimes that gets a little X-rated. <laughs> yeah, Mark does not <laughs> hold back, people. He, he does not hold back. He is, <laughs> he, is a, he is a human censor button. 
but we love him. <laughs> yeah, great, great, great guy. He and I actually sat down and talked about a film that uh, hopefully it'll be coming out. I'm not sure if I'm going to pump that one out in uh, September or wait closer to Halloween with that one, but he and I oh, had a fun nice. time. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Mark, Mark Radlish is so canceled. He's on canceled. <laughs> he's, he's uncancelable. <laughs> I love it. So, all right. Well, yeah, everybody check out the show notes. I'll have everything in there for uh, all the stuff uh, Hero and I just talked about here. So, uh, dude, thank you for being on. This is great. I love when we talk Crazy Kirby. This is the second time we've uh, been able to do that. So we might have to deviate from Crazy Kirby next time we talk. We'll have to <laughs> get our get our heads together and uh, try something different next time. Just to, to just do a palate cleanse after this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel dirty. I need to get a shower now, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you for having me, my friend. It's been a blast as usual. You bet. Again, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. So uh, we're going to get out of here and I'll uh, hit a promo and be back to wrap things up in a minute. As an industry, it began to grow. And of course, as publishers began to see the numbers, uh, a great deal of excitement developed, and they, they began publishing more and more. Now, this led to something else. What happened in the beginning was that the identity of the artists involved uh, became submerged into the need to get this work out, and the characters that were created, like Superman and Batman, became the dominant product. Gradually, the skills of the artist became the trading coin, so to speak. And then along came strong, strong, powerful artists like uh, Jack Kirby, who went out and then began developing his own characters. I was given one small section of the entire comic book. That's all I was allowed to do, I remember. And, and, and it wasn't enough. Uh, I had to be the creative force be behind the entire thing, and that was impossible uh, for a beginner, certainly, anywhere. And so I, I left the studios and began to do my own superhero stories. This is the Armed Forces Radio Service. A side door opens, and a frail young man steps into the laboratory. Don't be afraid, son. You're about to become one of America's saviors. Calmly, the young man allows himself to be inoculated with the strange seething liquid. There, it is done. Now to watch the reaction. The people in the observation room gape in wonder at the scene before them. Look, he, he's changing. It works. It works. It is working. There's power surging through those growing muscles. Millions of cells forming at incredible speed. Behold, the crowning achievement of all my years of hard work. The first of a corps of super agents whose mental and physical ability will make them a terror to spies and saboteurs. We shall call you Captain America, son, because like you, America shall gain the strength and the will to safeguard our shores. I found a way to help the war effort by portraying the times in the form of comic characters. I was saying what was on my mind. 
and I was extremely patriotic. Stand a little straighter, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder, go for trader, we can show you how to, when will you be then? Okay, everybody, that wraps up this episode. Yeah, I just wanted to get this uh, little bonus episode with uh, Charlton Hero out. You know, for Jack Kirby month, you know, I definitely wanted to get a couple episodes at least uh, covering some uh, Kirby. You know, he's the king of comics for a reason. So wanted to get that one out there. I love talking uh, crazy comics, especially crazy Kirby comics uh, with my buddy Chris Bailey. So definitely look him up. Uh, you know, he's on uh, Twitter at Charlton underscore Hero. And definitely look up his blog, Superhero Satellite. Uh, and uh, definitely uh, check out the hashtag SuperBlogTeamUp or just hashtag SBTU uh, for everything SuperBlogTeamUp. 